It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff, and it's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it's time for part two of the Chronicles of Nadia, getting you ready for training camp next week with the resident stat geek over at JetsXFactor.com, Mr. Michael Nadia. Michael's been doing player profiles, primers, if you will. To get you ready for training camp, he's been taking a look at each individual Jets player. We're going to break it all down by unit. Yesterday, we started doing it with the offense and special teams. Now to the defense, Michael. And the defense was the better unit on this team last year, putting it mildly. We'll see what happens with them this year. Some upgrades in the pass defense. We know that the run defense was very stout last year. And they get back two of their best run stoppers in Avery Williamson and C.J. Mosley. Let's start with the defensive line here. You got Quentin Williams, a guy who everybody is hoping for a big breakout from. You've got the return of Kyle Phillips. Foley Fadakasi, who you and I have talked about a lot as being one of the most underrated players on the entire team. Nathan Shepard showed some real promise last year. Steve McClendon comes back. Henry Anderson. So there are a lot of bodies on this defensive line that should be able to make an impact here what do you expect to see heading into training camp yeah I think you're hoping to get uh, a lot of the same that they did positively last year against the run but you would also would like to see some progression in the passing game I think that's the biggest x factor and that's most likely going to have to come from Quinn and Williams if he can take that big leap in his second year but also Nathan Shepard who did produce at a very efficient level as a pass rusher following his return from suspension, which which was a surprise because his rookie season was extremely quiet, and he was a very old rookie at 24, uh, or actually I believe he's 25 years old as a rookie, but he was an extremely ro- uh, old rookie who didn't play well at all. But coming back from suspension, he looked like a new player and was very efficient in the passing game. So if you can get a full season of that from Shepard, if Quinn and Williams can, uh, can maintain the improved pass rushing that he showed down the stretch in 2019, uh, then you could be looking at one of the better D-lines in the league, as long as they can uh, can maintain what they did against the run. Foley, Fadakasi, Steve McClendon, they were the leaders of that, but Quinn and Williams was a big part of it as well. And Henry Anderson, um, he, he hasn't been talked about much this offseason, but uh, if he can get back to the pass rushing production that he had in 2018, which is questionable because I'm just not sure if he's a fit in this Greg Williams system. He's a little bit of a tweener in this system playing uh, doesn't necessarily have the size to play inside. So he's playing edge, but he's too slow to play at the edge. But you know, if he can get back to 2018, uh, that would help them a lot because he was fantastic as a pass rusher that season. And then didn't do much of anything this past year, 
But uh, I think Quinn and Williams and Nathan Shepard is where it all starts and ends on that D-line. Can those two guys give them upper upper tier pass rushing production throughout the season? If they can do that, the run defense is there, and this can be a really good defensive line. Linebackers should be much improved this year, Michael, at least on the inside, because Avery Williamson, who missed the entire season last year, is back. You've also got C.J. Mosley, who more or less missed the entire season. He was a guy that showed right from the get-go in game number one the type of impact that he can make. I still think that having those two there is going to help the defensive line a lot because they won't have to two-gap and stunt so much because now they'll have Avery Williamson and C.J. Mosley to help them out in that regard. And then on the outside, you got Jordan Jenkins coming back. You got Jabari Zaniga coming in. There's not a ton there. Bryce Huff is somebody that might be able to do something. What do you think about the linebackers? You have to, at the very least, be pretty optimistic about the return of the inside linebacker duo, right? Well, for the inside linebackers, there are a lot of reasons to be optimistic. If you can get C.J. Mosley and Avery, well, Avery Williams, if you can get C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson back healthy and playing at the levels that we're used to seeing them play, then it can be a top three to five inside linebacker duo uh, with what Mosley can do in both phases and coverage and against the run, coupled with Williamson's elite run defense masking what he does in coverage. uh, That can be one of the best units in the league. And the fact that the Jets were so good against the run last year, even with their linebackers missing a lot of tackles and taking a lot of bad angles against the run, it, it's pretty exciting to think about how good they could be if you replace that with what Mosley and Williamson bring to the table in that phase. So inside linebacker, a lot of reasons to be optimistic. But when you look at the edges, uh, not too much improve, not too much improving done there. You brought Jordan Jenkins back, which was you know the way the offseason played out. It was a decent move because they would be a lot worse without him. But uh, the fact that he's still their best edge rusher is not a great place to be. He's consistently. Uh, consistently a slightly below average pass rusher in terms of pressure. Uh, so it's a pretty below average group overall. Him and him and Terrell Basham are both similar players. Solid against the run, below average against the pass, but can also cover a little bit. Uh, but overall, the biggest thing with the edge group is that they just couldn't get to it with the big move in this offseason. They were focused on the O-line and other positions on offense. Uh, so they were never able to get to that big edge rusher move. So that's probably going to have to be their number one need going into the next offseason, finding a difference-making pass rusher, whether it be their first-round pick, trade market, or free agency. That's going to have to be their top need because this is still a really lackluster position. But uh, the two guys who do have a chance to change it are two guys who typically you wouldn't want to be expecting too much of, and that would be Zuniga's the third-round pick. And then uh, and, and the fact that we're even mentioning – this, this guy as a possible solution at such an important position tells you where they are. Bryce Huff, even though he's an undrafted free agent, but uh, he is a guy who I think is legitimately a lot more talented than most undrafted free agents are, was kind of a victim of the bad circumstances. But so I de- uh, the best case scenario would be one of those two guys breaking out and becoming uh, a star out of nowhere, but it's extremely unlikely. So the what most likely plays out Jets get another season of mediocre play on the edge, you know, good against the run, but not much of anything in the passing game. And they go into next season needing a pretty big move at this position. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax and get decent sleep. 
Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. We get to defensive back. Let's start at safety. Assuming that Jamal Adams is here, which is starting to look more and more like a given, because if a trade is going to happen, the clock is winding down on that. And I think that everybody's sort of coming to the realization that he's going to be here. In fact, we have Connor Rogers, our guy over at Bleacher Report, saying that the expectation is that Adams is not going to skip camp. We also have Le'Veon Bell coming out in that interview and saying that Adams seems to be resigned to the fact that he's going to be here at least for 2020. So let's talk about that unit. You've got Adams. You've got May. You've got Ashton Davis in here now. Matthias Fairley is going to be fighting for a spot in that secondary. Plenty of competition at cornerback with Pierre Desir coming in from Indianapolis. Quincy Wilson comes in in a trade. The Jets draft Bryce Hall in the fifth round. You've got Bless Austin and Arthur Millette coming back. So if nothing else, this is a much more interesting cornerback unit. Talk to me about this secondary group. What do you think of them heading into training camp? Yeah, at safety, I think we know uh, kind of what the gist is there. Jamal Adams is arguably the best in the league, regardless of what Madden ratings think. Uh, He's probably the best safety in the league. And then Marcus May next to him, perfect fit. It's one of the better uh, top three to five duos in the league, if not the best. I think there is a decent argument for it, but there are some other good ones. So it's a top five safety duo. So you know what you're getting there uh, as long as you do have Jamal Adams in uniform. But then at cornerback, uh, Joe Douglas did a great job of building some depth and competition at that position. You add Pierre Desir, you add Quincy Wilson, Bryce Hall in the draft, you bring back Arthur Millette. 
and you have Bless Austin going into his second season. So it's a position that does not have a, a surefire number one corner. So it's going to be an open competition with every spot up for grabs, other than the slot corner spot where you throw Brian Poole back in there. I'm, I'm still shocked they got him back as cheap as they did. I'm surprised the league didn't value him more uh, than they did, uh, than it did him getting just a one-year, $5 million deal from the Jets. He had a fantastic season, so it, it's really puzzling that he didn't get paid more. But you put him back in the slot. He, he was one of uh, arguably the best slot corner in the league last year, near the top of the league against the run, his activity in that phase, his pass rushing, his slot coverage. He was really, from a numbers perspective at least, and I do think his film backs it up, arguably the best slot corner in the league last year. So I think it's likely he regresses based on the fact that it was such an outlier, but he should still be expected to be somewhere from average to very good this season. So surprising they got him back. That was a great bargain uh, that, that they got him back at that price. So that was a very good value pickup there. But then on the outside, I think it's uh, going to be a, a straight up competition for every single spot. Desir obviously is probably the favorite to be that number one, just based on experience. But I think Austin is has the talent to be a lot better than him and be a, a very good starter for a long time, based on what he did as a rookie, overcoming so many obstacles. So I'm optimistic about Austin, but he'll have to earn it, especially when you consider he was benched at the end of the season. But it's a wide open competition there. Interested to see what Hall does in his rookie season. Uh, Another guy like Mims, who I like his long-term potential, but uh, it's still up in the air what he'll do as a rookie. Uh, But at the cornerback position for Hall, unlike Mims, the Jets don't have to rely on him right away. He, With all the depth there, he can easily just come in and be the fifth corner or barely even play at all, sort of like Austin did last season. But then Quincy Wilson's wild card. Can he get back to his second-round talent? Uh, The potential that he showed – in the early part of his career after such a bad season last year. And you have Arthur Millette, who I think is very solid depth, not an ideal starter, but a guy who as your third corner is a pretty good player to have in that role. But I think what most likely plays out is that Desir and Austin are your number one and number two corners. Uh, And we'll see if Austin can deliver on the potential he showed last year uh, and really break out the season uh, and become a a long-term starter. Because I think he does have, that upside but we'll see it just has to play out it's not a given that players are going to progress just because they had a good rookie season Uh, we see all the time that you know career arcs aren't straight and narrow they go up they go down uh, and it's a very unpredictable thing so hopefully Austin can deliver on his potential uh, and become that long-term number one corner but I'd expect him and Desir to be the starters but at the same time any Quincy Wilson Millette even Hall could steal one of those spots Michael, since you brought up Madden, I have to talk about this for a second. I want to get your take on this. Lance Zerline posted this on Twitter, and I thought it was funny. He said, some NFL players are treating their Madden ratings like it's a negative Yelp review. Madden is that important now. And I got that vibe from a lot of players, especially Jamal Adams. Now, granted, I'm not somebody that plays a lot of video games, so I think it's kind of silly that anybody would care one way or the other what the Madden rating is. But do you feel like Jamal Adams might use that as an extra chip on his shoulder? Because you were just saying, despite what Madden thinks, Jamal's the best safety in the league. Do you think he's going to be motivated to be able to show the Madden people that they were wrong and to adjust his rating in season? Because as much as that seems crazy to me, he seems like the type of guy 
guy that would actually enter training camp with that mentality that he has to prove the Madden people wrong. Yeah, you're right. Jamal is absolutely the type of player who will put his helmet on when he's on the practice field with the Madden ratings adjusters in his brain. When he's making an interception off of James Morgan, the first thing in his mind is going to be, that's for the Madden people at EA. (laughs) That's what's going to go through his mind. When he took the ball away from Daniel Jones, he's probably thinking about some random hater on Twitter. That's just the way he works. We know that by now we kind of know uh, the way that he rolls. He's looking for every source of motivation that he can get, even if it's probably not what he should be doing or not the best look. Uh, That's just the way he is. He's always looking for that extra motivation. So I would fully expect Jamal Adams to be on EA's case throughout the season. Uh, Hopefully he does play for the Jets, but uh, yeah, I definitely think he will be on their case. And that's something that he's been thinking about quite a bit. And to be fair though, he is right though. The fact that he's only 92 does not end is behind Tyron Matthew and Harrison Smith. Both those guys are great players, but uh, he should be ahead of them and higher than 92, but he's going to be thinking about it. You hear that Jamal Adams, go out there and prove those Madden guys wrong and earn yourself a big fat contract at the end of the season or earn the jets a lot of trade compensation. Either way, it'll be a win-win. Let's talk about the coaching staff because that's the last thing we really need to touch on here as we finish our training camp primer. Michael, what do you expect to see from this coaching staff? We know that everybody was pretty satisfied with the job that Greg Williams did, but you know his assistants have some work to do with new members, especially in the secondary. And then you look at the offense. We all know the complaints against Adam Gase and Dowell Loggins. You want to see some better running. That falls on Jim Bob Cooter as well. Frank Pollock is somebody who was under fire last year because of how bad the offensive line was. So tell me a little bit about what you expect to see from this coaching staff going into training camp. Well, I think Pollock is one guy that I'm going to be paying attention to. Uh, We keep bringing up the offensive line as such an important unit, and Pollock is back after a very bad season from that group a year ago. But it was really surprising that they were that bad because when they hired him initially, I was – excited about it because his track record over the past decade or so has been pretty good. The lines that he has uh, been a part of have generally been uh, top half offensive lines. Some of them have been elite. So his track record is really good coming in. This was easily the worst line that he's ever coached. So uh, hopefully he can get back to his career norms and bring this team or bring this unit to an above average level. But it was surprising to see that, and he's uh, as bad as the talent was. There was just a lot of there were a lot of communication issues, just a lot of consistent problems that never really got fixed. So I think the spotlight really should be on him among the assistant coaches. Can he turn this unit around? The talent should be better, but is the talent substantially better? Not not quite. I mean, it's definitely better, but it's not like he has superstar players that are just going to bail him out. So I think definitely he is someone to keep an eye on in terms of the position groups and the coaches uh, leading those respective units. I would keep an eye on Pollock. And then at head coach uh, with Adam Gase, we talked a lot about some of his tendencies or as an offensive play caller, just not even talking about his head coaching duties. But as a play caller, we talked a lot on the last podcast about some of his tendencies that he can turn around, uh, that he can turn around that he was uh, just not really making some smart decisions last year in terms of maximizing odds of success based on down and distance. So there are things like that he can prove. Then I think as a head coach, uh, there are definitely, in terms of coaching the whole team, 
doing th- those responsibilities as a head coach. You can definitely do a lot better in that regard, just having a better, not necessarily control of the locker room, because it's not like the Jets have been an out-of-control team with players doing ridiculous things like they once were about a half decade ago. It's not like they have that issue, but I think Gase clearly can be better with connecting with his players. But at the same time, that just might not be something that you can develop. It might just be something that you either have or you don't. And it seems like at this point, Gase doesn't. But, you know, I guess we'll give him some – it's just we're just trying to be optimistic. Look, Adam Gase is not a head coach that has given off the vibe that he connects with his players very well or is the type of coach that players want to run through the brick wall for, as they always said for Rex. It doesn't seem like he's that type of coach. So hopefully he can develop it, I guess. But I'm not counting on it. But more importantly, it's about his play calling and just making – smarter decisions because regardless of how badly players want to play for you, they do want to play uh, to win games and make money. And the best way to get the most out of them is just by making smart decisions as a play caller. Uh, So regardless of what they think of you, if you can just coach well, you know, call good plays, make smart decisions, you can win football games. And he uh, did not do the best job of that last season. So I think what's most important regarding Gase more so than all that off field stuff, is just making smarter decisions as a play caller and making sure he's making the most of the players he has uh, and not necessarily playing to his own philosophies and trying to go against trends and be surprising uh, and things like that, but just playing to the strengths and weaknesses of his own roster and the opponent to make the highest upside, most effective decisions uh, in each situation and in each game throughout the season, just maximizing your odds of success by understanding the circumstances that's something he can do a lot better with coach well call good plays make smart decisions i think that's pretty good advice for adam it's Gase. a simple recipe for success and it, it's, it's a very easy thing to do i don't mm-hmm. really see what the issue is i agree i think that adam Gase should <laughs> listen to your words heed them and then go out and do them because if he does the jets will be in pretty good shape in 2020 michael nania breaking down every player one by one as he's doing the individual training camp primers over at jetsxfactor.com we did them by positional groups because michael has so much information on each individual player we would have to do individual podcasts every single day for the next month to be able to cover all of that so we sort of condensed it here for you but if you want all of that information and if you're a Jets fan you certainly should then make sure that you subscribe over at JetsXFactor.com Michael you got the training camp primers in progress what do you have coming down the pipeline after that yeah definitely have some more camp primers coming up Uh, should have a few more on the defensive side coming up Kyle Phillips Blake Cashman are a few that should be coming out soon some more of those camp primers and I'm also going to be doing a few uh, a few crowd surveys or fan surveys of, on Twitter, just looking at uh, some of the ways that fans are looking at players as we go into camp, rating every single player in the roster, ranking all of them based on uh, the scores that fans voted for them from zero to 10. Uh, so that should be really interesting. I'm going to put that out and see how those results play out, which players are fans overrating, which players are fans underrating. Uh, so that'll be really interesting as well. But training camp coming up pretty soon. We should finally have some actual football news. As I said at the beginning of this podcast or earlier on when I was talking to you, hopefully this goes smoothly and we don't have 
uh, any unexpected delays, things like that, and we can get into the season at the time we expect to. Hopefully things play out well, but it's exciting to finally have uh, the players getting out on the field pretty soon. Indeed, it is going to be exciting. After all this talk, we're finally going to see at least a little something out there in training camp, and then we'll get preseason football at the end of August. A little later than normal, but that's okay. I don't think anybody was really clamoring for preseason football necessarily. It's just nice to see these guys in uniform and out there doing something because it makes you realize that football truly is right around the corner. And opening day, as of right now, knock on wood, is going to be in September. And we are not that far away from that. In fact, I would say that we are less than a month and a half away. Crazy stuff as we get ready for the 2020 NFL season and training camp coming up next week. Michael Nania, JetsXFactor.com. Thanks so much for coming on for the Chronicles. As always, really appreciate it. Make sure that you're visiting JetsXFactor.com and reading all of his work and following him on Twitter, too, at Michael underscore Nania. And by the way, when you go to JetsXFactor.com, you'll also see Robbie Sabo's news and notes, Joe Blewett's extensive film breakdowns, and you know what those are like because Joe comes on the show all the time to break stuff down. But you'll see all the video. The full three-hour shows are there. He's doing shows on George Fant and Pierre Desir as we speak, so those should be ready for you to check out at JetsXFactor.com. And then my history pieces, which are going to be turned into an audio documentary, still working our way through the 2008 season, the Farb season, a lot of interesting tidbits that even Michael didn't know. And if Michael didn't know them, then I'm sure you didn't either, because you know Michael's a football encyclopedia. He's got all of that right up there in his head. So go and check out all of that at JetsXFactor.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets. Dot com.